This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Steve, three points, clean sheet. All those are very important, but what do you yeah. take from tonight's game? Well, I don't know what I'm doing, maybe. Well, it stops certain individuals and nonsense with a local newspaper what doesn't do any any favours whatsoever. It's all negativity and nonsense what, what they write. So uh, we can improve and get better. And regardless of the nonsense what the local stuff does, then we can get on with our jobs. Oh, behave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Grealish sent tumbling. Or a hand take this one up. There are quite a few options open to him. Including that! Villa at the death have tied it up! Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com, and joining me for the weekly Aston Villa therapy session uh, <laughs> is Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground and Chris Bird. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. We're back for more. Make sure we're you back. subscribe. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe for more because now we're uh, now we're really rocking and rolling. It's like group therapy. We need to be in this together. Yeah. It'd be like the is it AA where you get a coin after so many years of. Of, of struggling together the same way it's one year, two exactly. years, five years. We were we were wondering whether we were going to have a podcast after Bruce Steve Bruce won his first two games, but he didn't fool us with those two wins. <laughs> and now we've got content. We knew what was coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we're we're laughing on the outside, but inside it's tears yet again. So to recap, we've had the disaster of the Burton Cup exit backed up literally days later by the disgrace of the Sheffield United performance. Then, after the international break, Hurahan saved Bruce big time because three defeats uh, and then the uh, the axe would have been uh, sharpened uh, with a great injury time free kick. And uh, the Rotherham game, which I always expected to uh, to win and, and that, I think that fixture fell nicely for Bruce to uh, take the pressure off, uh, obviously uh, slipped us out of DEFCON 1 state. It's probably DEFCON 2 state as we were in. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of people who were sticking with Bruce have now turned. It's it's kind of flicked a switch in me because you just you just start to see it's almost like deja vu. Uh, what what's happening? I mean, what, what 
what's your take? It's a lot of the same mistakes followed up with the same excuses yeah. over and over again and a lot of the same regurgitated comments in the press. And I think it's that, that key moment that you always get when a manager loses the away support, then you know they're really under pressure. There was a little bit of uh, singing his name against Rotherham, but uh, I think you'd have found uh, if we if we got beat by Rotherham, there would have been. Uh, I think they would have turned. Yeah, I think there was there was almost uh, a little bit of inevitability that in the back of everyone's minds, the whole crowd were almost waiting for Villa to go a goal behind to see what the reaction would yeah. be. Luckily, yeah. obviously, you know we got the, we got the goal. And and when fans start uh, fighting in the stands, it's normally uh, the sign that uh, all is not good. But Bruce is now fighting back. I mean, he, but this is what he's tended to do. Uh, after any good result, he'll uh, he'll kind of lash out in the press, which I don't know if that uh, helps him or you know just boils up the situation because now he's labelled some fans the mad few, which I quite like. I think I might join the mad few. He's also said that intelligent fans uh, will know what's happening and knows will know the score and uh, you know even slagged off the local press what was your kind of reaction to that if you turn it round and you you come out of it and you're in that position to say I told you so I, I know I knew the team would come good I think he comes out of it in a something resembling a stronger position but I think when you're when it's the same mistakes over and over again and then the same excuses in the press it kind of just becomes a bit tedious and I think actually with the with the fans getting on his back a lot of it is just them losing patience with the the sort of the, the cycle that we go th- have gone through for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. We will uh, centre this show around the debate of uh, Bruce out and, you know, whether he should go, when is the good time, how, you know, how long has he got left to prove himself and why this time it's more of a reality uh, that something needs to happen rather than last season. Uh, first of all, just quickly, uh, three points just to kick off uh, the show. If you were overseas or using vicarious methods like uh, VPN and watching uh, the Sheffield United Aston Villa game uh, via AVTV. Fans have requested their money back for their AVTV uh, subscription because it actually worked for the Sheffield United (laughs) game, meaning a global audience was subjected to what can only be best described as a festering turd of reality TV. That's how you described it, Or a footballing masterclass, depending upon... (laughs) <laughs> which, which side of the fence you were? I mean, I, I'm a my my Luke endorsed Sheffield United shirt arrived this morning. So, <laughs> I mean, the context of this is the previous uh, games. The one of the games, uh, I think it was after like 15 minutes. I think it was a Wigan game where the big no signal sign came up. That they lost the pitch. Uh, <laughs> then they lost the sound, and uh, it was a bit of a farce. And then the next game uh, was it the Ipswich game where there was a sinking problem where the commentary was coming up to like 10 seconds before the action, which uh, is just basically a farce. It's a bit basic, isn't it, really? So if you want uh, the Mayo Man Said recommended uh, cause of action, that's a- to ask for a refund every time it doesn't deliver 
you are buying a service that you expect to work. If there's a syncing problem of like around 10 seconds, then it's a, it's a joke and you shouldn't have to pay. And they have, uh, from what supporters have uh, been uh, saying, they do refund if you ask. Or just mute the commentary and do your best Jack Woodward impression. Oh, no. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. You, you, you want to give yourself a refund uh, if you had to listen to yourself doing a Jack Woodward impression. <laughs> he used to, he used to make victories feel like defeats if I listened to. Him. <laughs> he kept running out of superlatives, didn't he? That's very true. As he said himself. I think I mentioned on on the show going way, way back when he was at the club. I, I've only met him once. Uh, anyway, well, I had, you know, I had a chat with him, uh, and he and he said, "Oh, because." Because we did a thing where I think it was on the European Championships where I would throw him an, one of the country names that are involved. I think it was every day we did this, and he would have to give me a villa anecdote related to that to that country, that team, that national team. And it actually was very funny and, and very good, and actually got an article out of it because it was quite witty. And I thought, well, this is a bit more witty and insightful than kind of anything he's done for uh, AVTV. Anyway, he said, oh, he said, yeah, my old man said, he said, uh, oh, it's a good name. He says, where does that come from? <laughs> and I thought, uh, yeah, that's never a, mind, Jack. Never mind. Anyway, moving on, point number two, uh, a more serious note to this one. The FA have come out and backed the principle and concept of safe standing so that's another box ticked in terms of the government being persuaded to uh, endorse it and actually finally get it moving forward point three second season has started alan stubbs uh, for one has been booted after three months at st mirren michael collins of bradford has gone uh, he's actually I, I didn't realize that he's only 32 years old making him mm. the young well he was the youngest uh, manager in english football uh, which uh, leads us to the question uh, uh, who, who's next in line for the for second season? I mean, do you think it's a bit early, or uh, we're not discussing it in a Villa context just yet, but just generally? Oh, I think it's. I think Steve McLaren's probably due his latest sacking, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I think if you have a manager who's been there, obviously, a, you know, a season or two, then yeah. you've obviously there's a bit of context there. But for, you know, for somebody like Alan Stubbs, is it who has only been there three months with St Mirren? What's he meant to do with St Mirren? Win, win the Scottish Premier League? I mean, that can't happen unless he's managing Celtic or, or maybe Rangers one day. I think Michael Collins only was only in the job also uh, for Bradford this season as well. So uh, the knives are, are already out, which uh, leads us on to uh, the main topic of the show. But first of all, I just want to give a quick uh, shout out to uh, Connor Casey, Greg Jones, Steve James and Emma Walford who have signed up to support the website and podcast as uh, My Old Man Said patrons. If you want to support uh, independent uh, Aston Villa content that actually has quality and is aimed at informing you and uh, getting some opinions across, please do support us. And obviously it also helps the uh, podcast show, which uh, takes a bit of time to put together, especially the editing. Go to myomansaid.com and uh, click on the Patreon option in the menu bar. Thank you very much. So let's go back to the last show. Uh, one of the questions I posed to you guys was, after a de- decent enough start, well, it was unbeaten, and even though we didn't beat Reading, we managed to go up a place into fourth. And uh, I said, realistically speaking, if we are serious this season about uh, automatic promotion, we and considering the kind of softish start to the fixture list, uh, we should remain in the top six going forward. I think, Chris, you you agreed with that. And then obviously uh, a few days later, the next league fixture after the uh, the show, Villa 
actually got hammered. Convincingly. And we're 4-0 down, barely 50 minutes gone. It could have been five, it could but have been for a linesman's flag. Yeah, it was a good could goal, been, actually. It, yeah? Pretty good. It's pretty and the slick. Post, it could have been six. Yeah, a couple of saves here and there, but then again, he did potentially at fault for two of those goals, one for Stefan. We're going to centralise this show around Bruce out. So last season, pretty much the same thing happened. We had uh, one win in seven. And uh, Twitter got the pitchforks out and started marching to the beat of the Bruce out drum. On this show, we just, you know, we looked at the situation and thought, well, this is Bruce's first preseason. Hasn't, you know, seen some of his players play yet together. He doesn't know his first 11. He had uh, some, you know, big time injuries. So he thought, you know, you got to give him, he knows these players uh, the best. He's bought it. In January, brought in I think January 2017, brought in six players, which were meant to be the bedrock of uh, the future Villa. So it's like you know, give him time and see what happens. And it's kind of a validated opinion because they were second in the table after beating the Blues exactly where they needed to be. But then it, you can only describe it as disappointing because you know we finished behind C- Cardiff City, who whose team is not as good as Villa on paper. I mean, it performed better on grass. So Bruce got outdone by Warnock and people say we're 90 minutes away from promotion. Well, it doesn't matter if you're 90 minutes away or if if you finish 15th or 20th. uh, It's all the same end result. You don't get promoted. And that is what Bruce should be judged on at the end of the day. So, Dan, what's different this time? Because, I mean, you said in the last podcast you're still on the fence. Uh, Obviously, since then, we've had another debacle in the Cup. And it was the same as what happened to us against Peterborough in the FA Cup. And then, you know, what happened at Sheffield United was, uh, mm. I think that was even more shocking than Cardiff away last season when early part of the season, well, in opening games, we got beat 3-0. Mm. What's different, do you think, this time, if anything? I think what's different this time is, I mean, I'll frame it that, that you mentioned that this is a, a Bruce Out podcast. I don't necessarily want it to be a Bruce out podcast from my point of view because it's it's not a Bruce out podcast it's just a discussion of the Bruce out uh, pitchforks that have just come up recently yeah 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 I mean what what I don't want to do is I I, I did say I was on the fence last time and and, and I, I mentioned in a post that I put up that the barometers it is shifting for me um towards that that Bruce out and it's for Bruce to to bring it back now because the the things that were concerning just taking the Sheffield United game as a, as an example were we were Technically far behind a team who I, I would say were significantly less resourced than us. I think that their their manager is very humble and we'll, we'll talk about the kind of things they do well that are quite simple that, that I think that we as a football club should be doing regardless of who that first eleven is now because you look across the across our squad and we, we've got more than enough. I'm, I'm really concerned whether you look at the Burton game and, and both the Sheffield United game. I'm not convinced all those players are playing for him now. That's a major concern. And yeah. defensively, it's it's a major area where I believe that Bruce is, is perhaps showing <laughs> a bizarre stubbornness because the defensive setup doesn't make any sense to me. As, as a you know, we've we've all watched watched a lot of football and you can see what he's trying to create in terms of an attacking setup and how that might come together in the next few weeks. I don't have the first clue how he expects to defend and to keep teams out over ninety minutes with with his approach defensively. I think what it's doing is it's damaging Chester. It's our full-backs are all over the place and, and it's also, we've got a decent defensive midfielder in Yedinak who looks lost and when you anchor him with a Whelan who didn't play too badly against Sheffield United, didn't play too badly against, um, I'm thinking back a couple of games to, to, to Brentford. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense what we're trying to do and that's where that's where the alarm 
alarm bells start ringing me for Bruce when managers start doing things you think that's not logical? Well, I, I still think, and it's interesting to me, that Aston Villa, a team, uh, as uh, Tammy Abraham said, uh, should be like a Manchester mm. City-Chelsea in this division and kind of dish it out a bit. Mm. Under Bruce, are pretty fixed on about playing a defensive midfielder as if it's yeah. you know sacrosanct, which suggests we've got some, some of the players we've, we've got. We should be dictating games, and I, I would have thought that just a a regular centre midfielder who was a bit higher up the pitch would help support our attack more. Let's say build a bridge more because Grealish would be allowed to play a bit further and build more of a bridge to our lone striker. But that's another trait that, uh, and this this extends beyond just the Sheffield United defeat that where we've talked about this before where we, we, we have players who've got great individual talent Codgers are, Codgers are the perfect example of this actually where where if you've got that player you have to play to their strengths another example is Hogan you know is a player who does particular things very very well and, and we haven't looked to replicate like how he scored all of his goals at, at Brentford at all you know mm. and that that's the frustration that you look at how we we're, we're set up and, and and you think about Bruce particularly at this juncture where he almost is he stubbornly persevering with with a way of playing because he's saying well that you know I've I've gone down this road and this is the way we're going to go so I look pretty stupid or is it is he going to arrive at to say Do you know I'm going to have to really go back to basics here or we could be um you know really in trouble and, and it's a perplexing Just, situation to arrive at considering we've only lost one game in the league but it was such a bad defeat and the manner of it and i was just going to bring chris in if he's still there <laughs> i am still here oh good <laughs> just checking uh just sorry just going back to the the point about the defense uh just from my quickly from my p- p- point of view i mean i'm you know i'm patient with these things because at the end of the day the only time a manager goes is you know you just give him enough uh, rope and you know eventually they go but in this i got i got angry a against burton because this is we you know we get sold this every time uh, in these cup games where they they just treat them as pre-season games almost and they think they don't give a toss if they're in and out we've already had discussions some of our best memories as villa fans in recent decades of cup games anyway uh parking that that was the first factor that got me pissed off then obviously the capitulation against sheffield united and then after the loan transfer window closes, you realise you only have one out-and-out centre-back in the whole squad. And normally the rule of thumb is you have four. What was your feeling about uh, this, the defensive situation at the moment? And as as uh, Dan says, this kind of stubbornness by Bruce to like, play Yedinak. I think his, his general demeanour is one of a man who's just very fatigued, it's a tired person, you know. He's he just seems like he just needs a break from football, let alone from Villa. He's just he's in that mindset where you think he's not quite switched on, and he's making poor decisions. If you think about someone like a Pep or even Mourinho when he's on form, and you think these are guys who've got complete clarity of thought. They yeah. have a plan, they stick to it, and they and they sort of dial it into their team so it gets executed properly. I kind of get the feeling that maybe. He doesn't necessarily know his best team. He doesn't know how he wants to set it up yet. And that translates to the players. I mean, if, if as you said, Burton was going to be treated as a pre-season game, I actually thought the Burton game was a perfect one to rest the front five or six. But I'd have actually risked Chester in that game to say, well, this is my back four and that's my goalie and I need to get as much game time in them in mm. the tank as I can. You know, I don't need to give Grealish or McGinn game time. You know, they were injured anyway. Yeah, but for I mean, him to, to come out after Sheffield United and say, "Well, actually, I had five players who hadn't trained all week." You kind of think, "Well, 
you've got a big squad here. If they're not fit, you don't have to play them. He can use the, well, we've got injuries line when you get hammered, which, which, is, which is a far easier sort of get out of jail card to listen to than the galling nonsense of him talking about, oh, I think I got it wrong again. You think, well, you're yeah. admitting you're, make, you're getting it wrong a lot already. And it's still only August at the time. In terms of, uh, you've got this, you've got this potential shortage. Uh, well, it it is obviously, as we know now, a shortage of centre backs. So you've got Axel Tuinzebi, who you tried there against Yeovil, and obviously, uh, you know, it was a bit of an adjustment period. But what you did learn from that game that he's got that athleticness and speed to recover very well. So if he does, you know, make a mistake, he, he's very swift at making amends for it, which is something that's not in yet yet an ex locker anymore. So he lines up against Burton and I was expecting he's, he's going to get another game uh, at centre-back because then suddenly you've got a real option and you've got a guy who's actually had a couple of games there and you know you're putting him on the path to developing in, into a centre-back for Villa this season and he's playing them at defensive midfield. Yeah, didn't he say he wanted to give him, have a look at him in midfield and you think for God's sake you've got, you've got yeah you've got three <laughs> international midfielders who all do that who, who can all do that job pretty well at this level. You've brought a you brought a kid in who wants to play center back. It's kind of you just think what is the point of that decision? If you're using that game as a chance to experiment, it's a really poor waste of an experiment because you haven't he hasn't learned anything from that game. There was no logic to it. As you say, three internationals who Bjarnason and Whelan are obviously, I don't think they're 100% happy because they're not playing week in, week out. So why why don't we piss them off you know, even more and you know, give them another player to think about? I mean, Whelan could have played that game, no problem. And in fact, if you're, if you're playing Twanzebe in that team, he's got to be in that team on merit. Now, he isn't going to play centre midfield on merit. Really, he shouldn't be playing at right back on merit either because you think about all the players we've got who can play there if you include Hutton Bree Elmo and insert a number of other players who can play in that position probably they are all superior in that position Yeah. so you think well if you're bringing him in as a centre back surely actually he's the logical person to play centre back and not anywhere else so then after the international break I think obviously Bruce has meditated on this and I don't know if it's uh, through kind of external pressure but then he finally tried uh, to Enzebi at centre back against Blackburn a uh, bit of a shaky start initially but you know you, you kind of expect players to have a few few games to bed in but then you're expecting to Enzebi to be playing against Rotherham and uh, Yedinak's back there and, and also Taylor's benched again and, and Hutton slips back at left back and then suddenly we've got this unbalanced uh, back four which I mean against Rotherham I don't think we were going to be uh, in as much trouble uh, as if we played a better team but you know still when you know when we were 1-0 up and in the second half uh, Rotherham hit the side netting and you know that was uh, inches wide yeah I, th- I think why do you think he he finally when well, he played him at centre-back and then suddenly switched you know, is it was it just to rest him, or what, what do you think? He's, I, th- uh... I think in regard to the, the Blackburn game, we discussed previously a couple of times that where he would end up playing would have probably been driven by further up the pitch. So I think Bruce now knows he's got his wingers to play further forward, meaning obviously Elmo can pull back to right back where he'd prefer to play. So all of a sudden we're more balanced in that position. I think he knows that Twanzebe is a centre back by trade. He's probably just been trying to sort of work him into the team to get him the game time perhaps in his defense for the Rotherham game actually I think the Yedinak decision was probably purely tactical yeah that they were just launching it all game and actually Yedinak put in a really good shift I think you know against a more nimble speedy attack Yedinak's probably not going to be the option but there are 
certain games when he comes into his own, as we as we've alluded to before from games last season. The Rotherham game was a probably the right kind of game for him. But do you think in in the context of Bruce seems to think about the opponents more so than he does about getting Aston Villa right. He's you know he's always tweaking and, and twiddling in terms of who he's playing. But when you look at that Villa squad, if he gets it right, it doesn't matter how other teams play. We should be yeah. you know, getting getting rid of them. Yeah, I've always been very much on the, the side of just look after yourself, you know. And I think if you look at, yeah. as you said, if you look at our squad and if it went or if and when it clicks, which I'm still confident it will going forward, I'm not going to be arrogant as to say we'll blow teams away, but we're going to win a lot more games than we'll lose. And it's kind of having that the almost the positive side of arrogance that you see that these sides like Manchester City and Barca have, you know, they, they go on the pitch expecting to win not thinking about, oh, the opposition are going to do this or this or this. He almost takes their game plan and and says, well, fuck it, this is what we're going to do and we're going to dictate the game rather than sort of... It's almost about that. It's the balance, isn't it, between being reactive and being proactive. And it takes me back to my earlier point about do we really need a defensive midfielder in against Burton who, let's say, not us first team you know walk through 4-0 in pre-season and obviously they're in a, a league below and, and then suddenly you see oh Villa are playing a defensive midfielder mm. but, you know suddenly it's uh, swings uh, swing the onus to them yeah as we said if you're gonna play defensive midfielder you've got your choice of three that you're meant to be rotating yeah you don't you don't need to yeah. bring a fourth one in you know, you've got Bjarnason who wants game time, Whelan who wants game time. You've also got, uh, going back to the defensive uh, one centre-back situation, you know, Colin Calderwood, uh, assistant manager, also a centre-back, Steve Bruce, a centre-back in his day. So how can we ar- arrive at this situation? Now we have, you know, rumours of Bruce on his knees to uh, John Terry, trying to bring him uh, back into the fold, which, I mean, you know, this is a guy, he's 37, 38 in December, we, we should be building a team to get automatic promotion that has a little bit of momentum that you had a couple of, you know, you had, let's say, three or four bits of quality in the Premier League to kind of carry on. Not doing the short-termism again where, you know, you're just trying to get players into... I mean, it failed last time and, and Terry was a year fresher then. I think as well it's quite baffling that, you know, he's known about the position. You know, the, the, the season start... Well, you know, the transfer window shut quite a while ago. Yeah. So he knows he's, he's had a long time to loan someone in. And also, we know, you know, he knew in the summer, as soon as the owners arrived, he knew back then. Because, I mean, we saw them against uh, West Ham and I saw them against Warsaw. The back four looked pony all through pre-season. Yeah. So he knew it was an area that needed strengthening. And yet he didn't spend any money when he clearly has a budget. And he didn't manage to loan anybody in. I mean, they tried to get Harold uh, McCarty uh, from, you know, Le Havre in France. But he's like 20 years old. Is he ready to start? And then... he's. He's, he's, yeah, he's in the same boat as Twan Zabi, isn't he? He's yeah, a great exactly. athlete, yeah. but he needs games. But I thought the interesting thing about the about the centre-half attempts, on, especially on the, at the end of the loan window, was that there was a desperate, under-reported late bid for Scott yeah, McKenna was... at Aberdeen as well that came very, very late. And he was pursued throughout the window tentatively by Villa, according to people I talked to, and sort of it was left there because I think Villa thought they would either they would either um, hold on to what they've got or they would they would sign the the, the kid from uh, Le Havre you just mentioned. It didn't come off because he went well. Do you know what? I'll stay in France, and then we were we presumably had already said to uh, to Alfic, you can you know you can go. You yeah. know, we honoured that, and that's left us. Um, Chronic, not chronically short. I don't. I think what it's done, it's left us absolutely no cover. Because I think if you, you've just, you guys have just been talking about what the options that we've got. I think if we use the logical options, two Anzebis that 
you know, he's being groomed by Man United to be a centre half. I think. Am I, yeah, you know, and he's a, a, a defensive and he's midfielder. a ball playing centre half. Yeah, yeah, um, and and so it's it's illogical to me that if you haven't you know signed that natural replacement or, or or what you want to do there, that that you you use him for what is intended. So, or you don't let Elphick go. Irrelevant of what you think about yeah. him, you you can't let him. They go, go in for um, Scott McKenna late, 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 and you know as mm. if the Don's boss Derek McKinsey is going to say, oh yeah, take you know take our main uh, centre back. You know he's on record saying that. Uh, McKenna's too good for the championship, and they, you know, they wait. They waved mm. away uh, Swansea and Hull uh, earlier in the, in the summer, mm. and I think Villa waved the cash at them and probably doubled what those two were were willing to offer from because I think they were initially going for around the three million mark, and Villa were looking more at the six seven, and I think Aberdeen would have done the deal if it was uh, earlier on in the in the window because they yeah. had you know yeah. their boss had no chance to get any replacements in you know it's literally in the last yeah. hours and you know he's obviously not as as dumb as uh, Bruce is letting Elphick go with actually no deal done for a replacement and going back to Elphick last season I was saying just play him when Terry's out just play him because at the end of the day this is a guy who captained at centre back Bournemouth to the Championship title now. He can't be that bad. And, you know, just for the record, Bruce has never won the championship, but, you know, Tommy Alphick has. By all, by all yeah. accounts, Alphick's, you know, really good around the changing room. He's a good professional. Bruce has said a number of times, oh, you know, I feel sorry for him. He's done nothing wrong. And you kind of think, well, this is his, ch- this is your chance to give him the opportunity he probably deserves. You know, if then he has a five or six game run and doesn't come good, fair enough, then you bring someone in. But to not give him a run of games is. Again, it's baffling. To me, it just seemed like a logical, safe option. It's like it might, you know, mm. you might need to upgrade him in January or, or you know, whenever. But in mm. the here and now, I mean, sorry, but if I was, you know, if you're a gambling man, give him and Chester a few games that, and they've already played together last season. And even then, he wasn't trusted by Bruce. It's Bruce's, let's say, behavior with Elphick is a little bit similar to Albert Adomar, who he was trying to get rid of at the start of last season. And then if reports mm. are to believe, you know, Damar was up in uh, Middlesbrough and that only didn't go through because they couldn't agree on terms. I mean, I don't know if you saw the uh, the little piece on Twitter with um, Adoma's brother yeah. having, a meltdown at, having a meltdown at Bruce as well. And a lot of Villa fans jumped in on that. You know, I think Adoma has definitely faded in the last few months, but I don't think there's, mm. there certainly isn't a, a large quantity of the Villa fan base that dislike Adoma. I think he's actually quite a liked person. There's yeah, a lot no, of people he is, who, yeah. when he plays, everyone kind of, they want him to do well. They accept that he's not on top form at the moment, but I don't think there's anybody who'd be kind of kicking him out the door. I think the other bit about those two players is, especially, I mean, Grant, I mean, no, Holler, Holler in transition, you know, it, those are two players and you think of Adoma too, who that, it'd be going to a direct rival. I don't understand what. Yeah, why would you, you know, strengthen what we stand your rivals? To gain by shipping players yeah. out like that either. You know, we we weaken ourselves and we're handing our rivals, you know, our, our backup players. Well, you're handing them your, your top your top goal scorer from last season. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to say. Let's not forget that he covered Bruce's ass in terms of uh, all the the strikers that are out injured or or not playing to their full potential, shall we say? Yeah, it could be argued he kept him in the job. Yeah, and, and car- carried us into the playoffs. I think it's. I think it's right to frame it in the right way. I mean, my my view is that Adoma is 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 the fading talent, and that you you know we've obviously brought in a couple of wide players to I don't know take the pressure off or, or to I don't know pass him by ultimately. But I, it doesn't make much sense to me why you know if if 
we don't have to sell all of a sudden, you know, based upon, you know, an injection of cash from, from the new owners and, and whatnot. And I think that that's the only thing about this about this all that, that, that counts in, in Bruce's favour to a small degree is that we arrived into the transfer and loan market later than everyone else and, and in pretty bad shape in respect of time. But it doesn't excuse then some of the bizarre decisions. I keep using the word bizarre. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of it, but I, I don't understand why... Why would we want to put ourselves at such such a disadvantage unnecessarily? Do you know what I mean? If we'd have woken up on the day after the loan deal and lost a, a doma, I don't see what we'd have gained other than shifting a, a bit of money off yeah, the wage which bill. Which essentially we don't. It doesn't look like we need to do at the moment. You know, we're not. We don't seem particularly bothered by it, do yeah. we? That's the. That's I think the we thing. we still obviously need to balance uh, the books in terms of wages for sure. Uh, but also, you've got like Yannick Bellassi, who you know he he missed a whole season through an injury. And, mm-hmm. you know, he came back at the end of last season for Everton and obviously wasn't fancied because he wasn't even in their, their no. you know, 25 or whatever they cut it down to, which is a kind of a clue. The Dutch guy who's never mm-hmm. played in England said that, you know, the first excuse if he didn't play well would be, oh, it's going to take him 10 games to, you know, transition and, and get it up to speed with the English game. <laughs> if he's doing that and Yannick Blassi isn't like 100% fit, and you've just got rid of Green and Adomar, what kind of position are you in? And the end game here is promotion. I think he's got half an eye. If he's bringing Abraham in, you, you you don't go out and bring someone like that in for them to be a bit part player. So I think he knows that he's the main man. Whether Codger mm. or Hogan like it, Abraham is coming in to be his main number nine. So he starts mm. and he plays straight down the middle, whatever. If he's fit, he plays from now on. Yeah. So then you think, well... Codger all of a sudden becomes an option on the wing. No, actually, he's been a, he's been a lot more uh, effective. I mean, you, nobody's going to get a cross out of him because obviously he doesn't want to pass. But it, I, th- I think Bruce, I think Bruce doesn't trust Codger. I think he he may find himself on the bench. I don't trust him. Do you, Dan? <laughs> Never. <laughs> so speaking of uh, Tammy Abraham, we've, f- we've finally seen him in a couple of games now, and. It looks like Bruce is he's going to be, I think he'll be switching between trying to get Codger there up with him or in some games playing uh, Abraham on his own. Do you think straight away, if we are just talking about playing one up top, that Abraham is a better option than uh, Codger? I would say so. If he looks to be better at holding the ball up, and I think he'll be certainly more likely to put a shift in than Codger, but it would appear he wants to play them both, which I think is probably yeah. a good thing for, for both of them. It's certainly going to help Codger out because he looks like the kind of player from what I've seen in the, the two games so far that he wants to link up with people. Can you say that again? He, he looks like a kind of player that wants to link up with people. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the first time first time anybody said that sentence describing Codger. Oh, but no, that, yeah. that, that kind of two-touch setup for Abraham's goal was like, who, who is this new player that we've signed uh, alongside Abraham? Yeah, you were, you were half expecting Codger to shoot. Um, <laughs> it was it was a really a real pleasant surprise to see, yeah. you know, a really you know, a nice a nicely sort of constructed goal. It wasn't a you know it wasn't a long ball or a dead ball situation or a cross. It was a really what you'd call a proper football goal. And it was, you know, it was he was like playing from instinct. It was because normally he gets the ball and then he's like the first thing he's thinking, right, I'm off on a dribble here. But it was uh, without even looking, he, he kind of put it through. It was certainly the first time in quite a long time I can his, think his of career. That, his career, yeah. Well, I meant in the in the wider terms of the the, the Villa that it actually right. looked like we might have a, a front two. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, even like Benteke used to play generally on his own. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, we haven't probably we probably haven't actually had a centre forward partnership in probably since 
Agbon Lahore and Karoo. Agbon Lahore, who's, who's that? I told no you idea. never to mention him on this podcast again. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Codger obviously uh, is one thing, but uh, when, when Hogan is back, uh, let's say, in a, in a week or two's time, that, that potentially could be interesting. Abraham and uh, Hogan as a as a as a traditional big man and small man routine because they're they're both they've got quick brains and that could finally unlock Hogan into the player that we thought we bought. Yeah, I think they're both penalty box players from what I've seen. You know, they both want to get on the end of things, which is only going to help you know the likes of um, Al Ghazi and Balassi, Adoma, you know, the, all the the sort of the wide guys and the the so you know this sort of so called winger based system that Bruce wants to play. It does have a little bit of deja vu about it. This this Villa. <laughs> This filler team coming together, doesn't it? That it, on paper you can see what we're trying what to are, do. What are we it, trying it, to do? Well, what I think we're trying to do is we, we're trying to. You don't know. <laughs> score one more than the opposition without properly thinking about what what the impact will be. But what that leaves us is very exposed down down the flanks and in our quest to get two up front, which is. It, in an ideal world, I can see why we would want to get Abrahams and Kodja up front because I think Kodja needs support. He's a greedy bastard, but he needs some support. And we need more to aim at as well. But I, I do wonder whether it's going to look more like a, a, a 4-4-2 or some, some variation of it. D- don't you think that's where our, our defensive lack of preparation counts so much, though? I think if, if you were to take last, last season's defence to, to a greater or lesser degree and plonk it in there now, and and it's I'm not saying Terry's the answer, but that that Terry type figure who's who's got that broad range of experience and means that Chester can can almost do the hoovering up if you like around them rather than being the, the main focal point of the defence. I think we sacrificed the DM. I mean, the DM is one of the reasons we play so deep. I mean, we just dis- mm. we discussed it before that the, the previous sort of games, even when we were winning, you had Grealish taking the ball off the back four. Yeah. Now, tactically, that just can't happen because you need him 30, 40 yards further up the field. Now, if you have a ball-playing centre-back, for example, a Twan and Chester's OK on the ball. Even if you've got Whelan in there who can get around or Bjarnason or someone who's a bit more mobile in the middle of the park, you can let the likes of McGinn and Grealish get up, up top because they have to play off, you know, off the striker to link up the game. 
or you have a Balassio or El Ghazi or whoever it's going to be. And that's one thing I'll give Adoma credit for was that last season, actually, he was the guy who got into advanced positions, yeah. Yeah. Either, either playing off Davis or he was playing off Hogan. And actually, it was Adoma or Snodgrass that were actually the, the, the real goal threat. And Adoma, would, he got a lot of his goals drifting in from that left wing, which we're not yeah. actually doing now. Mm. If Codger's has gone out, let's say, down the right wing to, to get the ball, there's nobody coming into the middle. And that's what Adoma did very well. He... He basically uh, substituted whoever was uh, meant to be the, the lone striker by covering him and, and giving the team a focal point in the box. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just having focal points to when you attack. And at the moment, it's kind of, it's just all disjointed from top to bottom. It's hard to work out which where it starts. You know, Bruce, when he first came in, of course, said, right, I'm going to build from the back. I'll make a solid. This year, it looks like he's gone the opposite way and has said, well, mm. let's let's try and almost be gung-ho. Let's get the front five absolutely flying, which, let's be honest, they're not. And, then, and we'll, we'll almost yeah. try and outscore teams, which is very naive. Let me, let me caveat all this doom and gloom by saying, I thought against Reading and Brentford, the first, let's say, hour or so, uh, Villa were actually all right and looking quite tidy. I think we, you know, we, we, we did just enough. Didn't have the, to win both games. Uh, we didn't have the threat in the box, and we should have won both games. But but they were looking. I mean, at Reading, I was like, especially the first half, I was kind of quite relaxed. I thought, well, we're going to win this two or three. But then as it got on, you just thought, hang on a minute, they're not taking the chances, and they're obviously going to tire. I think you know the, the, a big one that I've discussed with a couple of people through the through the whole season so far has been the decision making. There's barely a player in the team that I would actually say is immune from criticism to say that, you know, even Grealish, McGinn at times, in fact, McGinn on a number of occasions, they've all these guys have got into great positions yeah. in the attacking third and either the final ball or the final shot, they've made the wrong decision. You look at the back as well, there's been a lot of poor decisions that have cost us goals, be it from the mm. goalkeeper, Yedinak obviously with the back pass against Wigan, umpteen occasions against... Um, against Sheffield United. And another thing that has got me mad now is when you looked at the fixture list, you thought this is a chance for, if if Bruce is serious about automatic promotion, is to actually get amongst that pack and get established because in December, that's where it's going to sort itself out because we've got to play the three relegated teams from the Premier League who are obviously, uh, they're not doing too badly. They're no Sunderland, shall we say, of last season. And we've got to play Leeds and Middlesbrough. So there's there's your Merry Christmas, uh, Villa fans. If we're mincing around, you know, <laughs> tenth spot or something, come December we're going to be mid-table, lower half, and we're going to be away. There's no way we can get back into that automatic promotion race unless we unless we were to go on a run like Fulham did last year, where you know they went on a run when they beat us. I think they didn't they beat all of the top six in about an eight-week period. Yeah, they. I don't see Villa doing that. Pretty though. much played them back to back, but they had their shit together. I mean, their 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 poor start was mainly down to like you know not having Tom Caney fit, you know, the, who obviously or a striker, their captain. They didn't have. They got Mitrovic obviously in the January window to add cutting edge to them, and you know they galloped home. I think that's the thing we need to establish is we need to. It, it's it's a lot of footballing cliches. We we need to arrive at a you know what what is our best eleven? I, I'm not convinced Bruce is settled on a on a formation because we saw a completely different formation in pre-season, which I think in part was perhaps fed by the fact that we didn't know what the finances looked like and whether we'd be able to get players in and what we're working with. But then since then, we seem to have gone counter to, to, to that sort of intuition where you're trying to say, well, well I'm going to get the best out of what I've got. We should, we should always be applying that philosophy, yeah. I think. 
And that's where it seems to have gone out the window that we've... Now, almost know, like it's... PR signings to, to a certain extent. It's like, look who we could get. We got Yannick Balassi. He was 25 million, uh, you know, seasons ago. And, you know, John Terry last year, but Snodgrass. It... But it was still, we were relying on these players, you know, let's say individual brilliance, as people have been saying, as opposed to you're looking at that Villa team, you know how they're going to play, you know their kind of style, and you know they're going to set about a team and you're pretty comfortable they'll beat them. You can't be comfortable playing anybody with this team. And that's another question, and all these things will always come out in the end, that, that you wonder whether with new owners and with a new, you know, in, in the constraints that they've got in this in this moment of a transfer window and, and loan window drawing to a close quickly, two things are at play that they want to bring something to the squad to say right we, we you know want to make some statements and I think holding on to Grealish is as big a statement as any yeah. of the signings but you know, it wasn't lost on me when I was looking at the new CEO who's come in that you know one, one minute Tammy Abraham isn't going anywhere because he's on the periphery of the Chelsea team we get the the former Chelsea managing director in the CEO and uh, the guy who's not moving is suddenly holding a, a Villa shirt up at Bodymore Heath yeah. you know it's how much of that was Bruce influence I, I I don't know, but it's these things don't just happen. Because I mean, I was surprised and, uh, by that line because he declared that he wanted to stay and force the issue. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. know, he, although he wasn't in the the squads for the I think it was the first few Chelsea league games, you know, he came on as a sub in the Charity Shield, so he's he's not that far away. And Chelsea have got uh, all those Europe Europa League uh, rounds to come and you know, League Cup. So he'd get plenty of games at Chelsea. And, you know, the best way to impress the team you play for is to play for them. (laughs) And he he would have. So, yeah, you're right in terms of that suddenly switched and what seemed to be fairly logical that he would stay turned on its head. And, you know, he seems a a bright kid as well. But a lot of what's in terms of Villa behind the scenes, they've obviously been waiting for a CEO to uh, come to town and... We've got somebody who's obviously well healed in terms of big clubs with Chelsea and Liverpool. Obviously, mm-hmm. had a bit of a, a an enlightening experience at Liverpool for a season, shall we say? When obviously ended up in courts mm-hmm. uh, in the end, fighting uh, against the outgoing uh, owners. He did. He win. did win indeed, did win. and also I think he ruffled a few feathers of the Liverpool fans. Uh, I mean, it's still mm-hmm. a rumor. Maybe it's like an off. I think it's an off-record uh, comment he probably made about the spirit of Shankly, which is one of their, uh, let's say, their most active supporter group. Uh, he referred to them as like sons of strikers, strikers as in uh, people who pick it. And I don't think that went down well because suddenly uh, on the cop, there was a banner of a 15-foot penis with a red bell end on and with his name up the shaft. So, <laughs> so that, that potentially leads you to think oh no he could be a potential uh, tom fox number two but uh, as with all these things you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt going into it one thing i'd say with him from what i what i've read and it's it's very limited is that he seems like a relatively reasonably young dynamic guy you know he's not one of these sort of old farts who's just going to sit in his yeah. office he's going to want to come here and make an impact i mean i've done i've done quite a detailed write-up on him and there's a, there's a lot out there in the public domain on him, but the, the guy, I mean, Christian Perslow's got got some pedigree, and I made the comparison to Tom Fox that that though though Fox came with with some commercial experience, it wasn't football commercial experience. Well, it was Arsenal. And, he was at Arsenal for about five the, years. Yeah, but it was it was a shoe in off the back of the off off the Puma thing, and I think that what the the the, the difference I would yeah it would be the difference I'd draw between Fox and, and Perslow would be that he struck genuinely massive commercial deals. That have changed that changed the narrative. I mean, take Liverpool. Liverpool were 
on the cusp of administration like yeah. we were. You know, that's a fact. I mean, a lot of this was kept from the media and kept hush-hush at the time, and he became a bit of a hate figure on, uh, in Liverpool. One, because I think, of, as you say, some of the... And the he fell out with Rafa as well. It, well, he, he sacked yeah. Rafa, didn't he, essentially? And, and uh, you know, the, the the one thing that might make people go, Ugh, is that he Boy. replaced him with Roy Hodgson. But it's context, isn't it? That basically they they were so broke that they they couldn't afford anything else, and they had to he had to get those one wait for those commercial deals to come through, and, and what what that included in time was the biggest shirt sponsorship that's ever been uh, signed for Liverpool in that time. So big that the the sponsor had to defend it. Against Sorry, the backdrop it used of... to be the biggest. Now it's uh, Luke Roper. That was the that's now the new the new biggest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, beg your pardon. Sorry, Luke. And your fanatics tie up. And the context being that, you know, Liverpool was servicing, a, I think, a £45 million loan based upon what the old owners had saddled them with. And it's it's important context. And, you you, you know, you, people can go and do their own reading and, and, and uh, research into that. But then you, you fast forward a little bit and you look at what he brought to Chelsea. Yeah, I, I, as a football fan, I, I don't give a shit about, you know, improving the brand and yada, yada, yada. But where we should be interested is the financial fair play bit that he significantly increased both those clubs' um, revenues. And what's that? That's income. It makes means you can do a lot more in the transfer market, and as a club, it allows you to, you know, grow and yeah. do things. So, uh, you know, the jury's always going to be out on these people. But, but indeed, we happens. will. But the good thing is, staff will actually be able to make plans now and uh, actually do things. I mean, someone running the show. I yeah, mean, we go deal. to these football supporter consultation group meetings, and a, it's hard to uh, organise one without a, a front figure for the club to actually tell you things and, and act on things. And this has been a bit of a frustration the last few months, but at least now, uh, you know, we can go forward uh, in that uh, respect. Although, you know, most of the things you table at the club, it's, uh, well, uh, you know, we'll be able to do that when we get promotion. So uh, it's, it's all about promotion. It's, it's such a big deal that that is the context mm. that Bruce now will be judged on. Can you get us promoted this season? None of this like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we've established ourselves now. We're stable. I mean, come on. This is not a league that takes a five-year plan to get out of. This is a league where Wolves, the bottom half team, suddenly have a new manager. They they change their uh, recruitment policy. We mentioned this last week. Uh, change their philosophy. Bang, they're up with a manager his first ever season in the championship. Yeah, and sim- similarly with Fulham, you know, Jukanovic came in the year before. Yeah. He knocked them into shape quite quickly. They got to the playoffs playing really good football. They just fell short. The year after, they were the f- one of the favourites to go up. Had a very similar team, added a little bit of quality to it. And they and they played the probably, as, as with Wolves, played comfortably the best football in the division and deserved it. And now it. you're looking at a scenario where Leeds are replicating this. And they've they've pretty yeah. much have the same team as they did last season, just different manager, changes the style, the the kind of ethos of behind the scenes as well, and uh, it's as simple as that. It really is. Bruce he always talks up his opponents, he always talks up this league, and he always makes it out to be this heart the hardest thing when. That's just covering up his own uh, deficiencies. Uh, as I'm starting to, well, I've always kind of known this, but it's getting confirmed almost week by week nowadays. Getting found out and outthought by far more inexperienced managers, yeah. isn't he? Sometimes you'll you get the youthful, ex- ex- you know, inexperience of teams. But he's, he's played Dean Smith at Villa, I think, the fourth time he played against Fifth. him, maybe, and he hasn't come out on top. Now, for somebody who's got a hell of a lot more experience, you would have thought he'd have a plan of how to negate the threat yeah, and, st- and still hasn't managed to 
And we're not talking about a Brentford side who are light years ahead of Villa in terms of spending power or the quality of their no. team. This is a Brentford side whose resources are vastly inferior to Villa's. This is a Brentford side that sold us what from the outside looked like their best player who had scored uh, well into double figures on the day they played us. And without their top man, their main forward be, managed to beat us 3-0. Th- I mean, uh, <laughs> what kind of manager have we got? If, yeah. It's always handy if when you're playing a team to buy their best player on the day that you're playing them. Because <laughs> that kind of makes it easier to, uh, you know, potentially beat them. Alas, not. So going back to Bruce, who obviously you can tell from my uh, even like common sense, David Michael, logical David Michael, he, he's just left the building now. He's, he's had enough of this seeing bullshit, <laughs> avoidable stuff is what I'm talking about. You know, if Villa get, Villa yeah. get beat 4-3 by Sheffield United and it was a you know good tussle and Sheffield United played really well and Villa had a good go, then, you know, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. come on, these, these are glaring errors that the manager, and he was doing this last season, is again, he's just it's just replicating what's happened in the previous season is happening again. He's not learning. He's not changing things. He's apologizing for making glaring mistakes. He says, in you know, in hindsight, I should have done this. In hindsight, I should. well, a lot of fans knew this and we're just laymen. You know, we, we, we haven't. We haven't been in the game, but we can see it a mile off. And you start to think, well, is he under so much pressure now? And, you know, he had a bad year earlier on. Personally, is this, as you said, maybe he needs a break? I think, I think, I think potentially. And also, I think, as you were, you were saying, regardless of the, the Sheffield United game, if, if we'd have had these results that have, you know, transpired, but actually he'd have built a team and everyone could say, oh, okay, do you know what? We can see what they're doing here. When this clicks, this will yeah. be brilliant. Because mm. that's yeah. what happened. That's what happened yeah. with Fulham twice. Yeah. You know, everyone could see. Oh, okay, that's the style. That's the plan. That's how they want to play. It's not quite working, but at least you can see that. If Villa had a very clear pattern of play, and it, and it was individual errors which happen, yeah. or yeah. you know, you have you, you have to vouch for the opposition having a good day as well. You know, I've got time for that. Which they will. I've got patience. Yeah. If and you then, see. If you see a team trying something and, it, and it's building, but you don't, you don't see, you don't have any sense of okay, that's the plan, and there's momentum with it. It's still a case of we're literally we're just treading water. Because if the you moment. if you just look at the Blues, for example, it's, uh, they haven't won a game this season, but their fans at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've only lost two because they've been playing well, and and Monks got them doing something where they actually can see that there's a potential end result here. Yeah, I think it's actually the opposite of the Villa, isn't it? They have a plan and with, without the personnel. Yeah. We have mm. infinite resources and no streamlined yeah. plan. And that's the, you know, the, that's why the, the Burton fans, uh, sorry, the, uh, the, the Brentford fans buy into the, the project that Dean Smith's doing. It's the same reason why the, the Lincoln fans bought into the project there. It's the same sorry, reason why... Sorry, don't mention Lincoln and Danny Cowley because uh, yeah. I want Lincoln to keep that manager as long as possible for okay. purely selfish reasons. It's, and it's, it's, the same, um, it's the same reason why a lot of supporters have like Guardiola syndrome. You know, everybody wants their team to play like Man City yeah. now, which you can't necessarily do, but you can have your own way of doing it. And I just, I don't see still, as we've been talking about for months and in fact years what is this villa style it's just not there but for example if you are going back a few years and we mentioned their dressing room antics on the last show wimbledon they had a style 
and it was and effective because they knew what their style was and they knew what they were going to do and they knew what their plan was yeah and I think as well similarly to, to, to City you know what the Man City plan is like when you go and play at the Etihad you know what's going to yeah. you're going to get thrown at you but you can't stop it same as Wimbledon you knew you were going to come under the aerial bombardment but it was another thing to stop it yeah. with Villa you can you can shut you can shut Villa down very easily because every team now just targets Jack Grealish which they've done unfortunately yeah. And I don't necessarily think McGinn, I think he's played well, but I think he's going to need games to really grow and build into consistency because he's come from what is essentially an average side in a poorly... Have you just taken his McGinniester nickname off him? Have you revoked it? <laughs> oh, no, no, that, no, 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 that, that, definitely, that definitely remains. <laughs> it's been revoked until he's put three back-to-back performances together. <laughs> so just to, uh, just to wrap up the Bruce out debate couple of things and and sorry if this uh, show has been one dimensional in terms of talking about it when would you act in terms of bruce uh what does he a have to do to get out of it and b how long would you let him carry on doing what he's doing now well my view is i think he's he's under pressure i think he knows think, he is doesn't I think he? he's, he's very aware I think of he it. knows it i think that it's it's a symptom of this is going to sound arrogant, but he's he's at a he's at a big football club here with with big expectations. My biggest bugbear with Bruce isn't isn't I can park results like yourself. You know, you win and lose games in football. There's freak results, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's when managers do things you think that's an illogical, nonsensical decision that's not it's not helping you. You know, and I think that, that that's what he'll be judged on. He's in a, he's in a three to five game window, yeah. I think, and that's not a good place to be as a football manager. And it can be perplexing for other teams looking in. You know, there was a couple of Sheffield United fans who commented on my blog in some of the comments below and reacting to some of the block other comments from fans. <laughs> and it's 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 a tricky barometer but there's a perplexion isn't there that they go well you know you've actually got it quite good and yada 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 but our our expectation level is different because we're on a different pathway to a Sheffield United or a Brentford or a you know for, for the, some of the reasons that Chris said and that's why Bruce finds himself in such a, a tricky position here that he's not at a he's not at a hull yeah. you know he's not at a yeah. Wigan he's he's at an Aston Villa and that you know, our our peak moment was a European Cup, but actually we were Premier League mainstays for for a long, long period of time. And and where I have a sympathy with a lot of Villa fans is is also around the erosion of of quality and this this belief that we can't. You know, there there is no Aston Villa way. You know, my entire watching life, I, I've I've been confused as to what that should be or yeah. what that is. And but with the amount of investment that we've had and the players that we've brought through, and you would have to think with. The, the two new owners that they'll come together periodically in in three and four and five game cycles with their advisors and you know that their objective the club's objective as as Aston Villa has to be to be promoted. Um, if you can't get through the next batch of fixtures and have shown significant improvement, I think Bruce would struggle to explain that in the context of the players that he'll have hopefully at his disposal, bar injuries and and some of his own decision making. And and I think if Bruce loses the Villa job, I'd, it'd be quite easy to say. You could have done yeah. things. Differently. I mean, we we discussed last time out, didn't we? That regardless of what goes on over the next few weeks, months, there's a very, very slim chance he's going to be there this time I next won't season. Be. I, I would put money on that. Yeah, I cannot see it happening. Whether they were to go up, not go up, I, ju- I just if don't you were in the Premier League, you'd have a very me- mediocre Premier League manager. I just I don't necessarily think the new got the new ownership sees him as being the long term appointment. I think they they sort of see it that. Okay, you're the man in the hot seat. We'll give you the opportunity that you're semi-deserving of our time and respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some respect. For that, yeah, I they'll think be. Res- they, get... they wouldn't have just come in and booted him out the next yeah. day, but they'll say, okay, well, 
this is where we want to be. You know where this club needs to be. But if you're not fulfilling your remit, you know, it's dog eat dog. Yeah. We're, we're also mm. going to have a sticky period in December. Yeah, December is four away games and two hard home games. If he manages to turn the ship around a little bit and, and win, let's say, the easier fixtures, especially the home ones, then if he hasn't got a team together in sync with any, you know, as we said, way of doing it, whatever that way uh, is, then it's going to be a bit of a struggle and we'll be back in this situation in December. And I think I don't think there'll be any patience there because obviously you want to get a manager in before the January window. But uh, just a question, do you think the new owners and uh, CEO are doing due diligence on potential replacements now? Yes, I think they would be naive. I think they'd be naive not to. And they probably have. They probably have been for a while. If you did, but no, Dan. I think modern modern football dictates that they probably were doing them doing that before or as and when they were taking over. Because I think that the the outlook for Villa at the point at which they were taking over was was so bleak that I don't think you could have even discounted someone like Bruce walking yeah. away either. Um, it's it's about what the what the owners see in terms of immediacy. You know, do do, the, do they see this season as the season to get up as as fans and supporters having been through three seasons of. At times, mediocre championship football. You know, the first season was a write-off. The second season was a major letdown. F- for me, we need to get out of this mess before we're, we're down here. Like, you know, Leeds have been down here for, what, a decade yeah. or more now? And, you know, the years can roll yeah. by. I, I would have to assume that, especially an astute businessman like them, that they're looking for, for top leadership and that's perhaps an ongoing They'll, they'll be feast. aware that if they don't get them up this year, you know, you're going to lose all the guys you've brought in on loan yeah. again. You're, going, you're yeah. definitely going to lose Chester. You're definitely going to lose Grealish, potentially at a devalued price because of his contract situation. I mean, he may or may not sign a new contract. Who knows? Codger will go for you know, hugely less than what we paid him. We paid for him. <laughs> we so paid anything for him. <laughs> well, yeah, good point. I owe you. <laughs> well, it, you know, it would mean you're going to have to have another rebuild again. You're constantly in this one-year cycle yeah. of rebuild. So if they are writing... If they were saying this season is the year we build, you would surely say, well, actually, we don't see the manager being here next year. You would just get mm. rid and say, right, if we're going to build, you'd be very open to the supporters and say, if we go up this season, brilliant. If we don't know, we're going to have, we're sure as hell going to be there next yeah. year and we'll make sure of it. And I think the majority of supporters would accept that. I would. I wouldn't. I'm out of here. If we, if, yeah. If 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 people actually saw a tangible plan being put into place, people would go, oh, "Okay, do you know what? I could buy into this." But at the moment, it just seems like we're constantly reacting. Yeah. Yeah. Re- reactive rather than proactive. V- Villa have been reactive really since O'Neill left as a yeah, as a no, football that, club. I, w- I would go with that. I'm- probably the one uh, the one proactive move you would say was probably when they felt they need to go out and buy Darren Bent a year too late. One of the big questions is always of any current manager is it's always the uh, well who are we going to get in to replace him then and I don't know I think this is a debate for another time would you agree or am I avoiding the question I mean it's probably a debate for another time because to be honest I don't I don't really see a an out and out obvious candidate there's lots of potentials but there's no one who jumps off the page straight away you think yeah he'll come in and do the job straight away yeah, i mean you know you can talk about managers already in employment and i mean we've we've seen it before like you know big ron who uh at Sheffield Wednesday says, you know, I'm staying with Sheffield Wednesday. I'll, I'll always be here. And then yeah. the next day is Villa manager. So you can never buy into that. But, you know, people have 
talking about Brendan Rodgers. They're talking about Dean Smith. And these are managers in jobs at the moment. I mean, there's a manager that I like who uh, you, you mentioned him earlier on, but I don't want to see him leave his present club. And I don't know if he's capable of football at this level at the moment, but he's very dynamic in the lower league leagues because he instills a culture from roots up which is something that Villa really need to do and, and get the fans believing in something. There was an article on the My Man Said website which discussed a couple of people and then dropped in the writer's favourite at the moment Oscar Garcia who comes with a lot of credentials in terms of obviously uh, working under Cruyff and Bobby Robson and Mourinho and Pep Guardiola likes him and he's somebody who uh does that kind of root and branch, creates a kind of culture and a way of playing. But he's also, he seems a bit temperamental because he jumps from one job to the other. You know, he's been in the Greek League, the Israeli League, and he doesn't, and he was obviously at Brighton uh, for one season and resigned after they failed in the playoffs, which I always remember at the time, uh, I mean, he did amazingly on poor resources. I think they were like the 13th best off in terms of resources, whether that's calculated by the wage bill or, or whatever, and managed to get them in the playoff. If I remember rightly, at that time, they were playing great football. They just didn't have a uh, a proper striker to finish the job off. And I think I saw him a couple of times uh, with, with him as manager. And he you know, had a good way of playing, and it's a, and it's a definitely a way of playing that could get us out of this league. But you know, these it's questions about his temperament and... Would he be here for the long haul? I, was going to say, I think Mr. Mourinho is probably going to be available soon. Isn't I don't it? know. They started winning again. Same with the Arsenal uh, manager. I mean, there's a lot of talk of Dean Smith, isn't there? Which is a it's a big risk. And would he would he leave what he's building well, at he Brentford? Would. As much as as much as much as he's a Villa fan, probably probably knows he's uh, similarly to someone like Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. You know, he probably knows he's not going to get sacked unless he does. I something think Dean Smith. Wrong. There's a lot of talk this season, in particular, that they've got a team that uh, could potentially. Let's say they're aiming for the playoffs uh, this season. So if they peter out and end up eighth and ninth, I mean, probably he'll lose his uh, kudos, obviously, and cachet. But he'll be looking uh, a bit more long term after that because he's what's he going to do? He's going to end up as one of these championship managers that just stay there and have a little bit of respect and you know maybe once in their in their life will have a season in the Premier League. But this, I mean, one thing I would one thing I would say with Dean Smith is he's somebody who, if you brought him into Villa now, you know he'd have a a style of football that the fans would buy into. Secondly, I think the fans would buy into him as a personality because obviously he's yeah. a local guy, he's a supporter of the club. He'd kind of almost have that slight John Gregory factor about him. The fans would kind of really buy into yeah. his personality, I think. But would would he would he be? I'm not going to say out of his depth, but it's. I still think, as much as from a football point of view, it necessarily isn't as big from the size of the club and the resources and the expectation. He'd be it'd be a huge step up for him. But you know, it's like throwing people in the deep end. You don't know if they can swim unless you you know you actually try it. But one thing I will say, he will. I think he has the players at Villa currently that potentially uh, could suit the way he'd want to set up more so than they're being utilised now. I'd say so. You think someone like Grealish in that? You put Grealish in that Brentford yeah. team. They'd be devastating. Well, potentially. He's not that good, by the way, Chris. Right, anyway, <laughs> if you think about these things, it's a little bit disrespectful to uh, speak ill of the dead until they're actually dead. Is that how the saying goes? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Something like that. So uh, let's we'll get across that bridge when uh, there's, there's a serious threat of him getting booted. Because at the moment, Fixture's looking okay-ish. Uh, if you put your money on him leaving, when do you think you'd go? 
I think December would be the uh, if he can, if he can get through December, it'd be you'd be doing pretty well. I do you know. I think if he has got through December, you'd say it's probably because the team are yeah exactly. firing because I think that mm. I think that a lot of the supporters are getting to the point now where it's it doesn't really matter what he does yeah. at this point. They just want rid. I think the bar- the barometer of that's going to be whether whether the club feels like it's it's going to be promoted. Yeah, no, exactly. It? Yeah. Yeah, we we don't have any momentum at the moment, and it, yeah, I think back to last season when where we absolutely battered Wolves at, at Villa Park, and you know that felt like the moment to me where we would go on and 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 steamroll it and get promoted. We uh, December, you know, coming through this next period into December, that's that's going to be the barometer, isn't it? Really, that are we ambling along like we were the first season where we had. <laughs> you know, no, no realistic prospect of making the playoffs, but trying to delude ourselves, yeah. we would. Um, and like last season, you know, the, this bizarre faltering away towards the end, we, we, uh, we, I think we'll know quite quickly what will happen. Because last Bruce, season, after beating the Blues, which was a let's say a promising performance, because we dictated that game from beginning mm. to end in a way that we hadn't really uh, the rest of the season. Certainly, in the the part of the season leading up to that game, and then that catapulted us for the first time and only time for something like six days in that top top two mm. and that's when i thought right and you know as fans leaving villa park that day was they were thinking right we're up and running now it's you know let's let's get this on and straight away we started to fade and then as you as you said that wolves game you thought right this is the last hurrah and then that just folded yeah. in on itself within a week but yeah, I, I think uh, as you say, we'll know pretty quickly. And then if he can get if he gets through December, that will, when you boil it down, mean that Villa are actually playing well and beating uh, teams in in the mix. Uh, I think what I said at the top of the show and uh, last show about they're needing to stay in the top six. If they win the next couple of games, I think they'll be back in the top six and they'll have to stay there through December for him to stick around. Right, any closing thoughts as we uh, wrap up this podcast? I think we've covered everything. Where uh, full of excitement for the rest of the season we're going to win the FA Cup and uh, come second to Brentford (laughs) (laughs) Dean Smith will march his Brentford team into the Premier League and just laugh at suggestions that he he should be the Villa boss Dean Smith will be our manager he'll be our manager by then Bruce will be managing Brentford (laughs) you really are Bruce in if we've learned anything from this show Dan Rogers is Bruce in you will find you will Someone's find his Twitter address uh, on the on the program notes if you want to uh, leave him your best regards there. <laughs> Sorry, this <laughs> podcast does not have an agenda. It's completely uh, open to suggestions. Bruce in, Bruce out. Is there any other? This is a bit binary. Is there any other options? Anyway, on that note, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.